Welcome to the Haunted Hacker Podcast version Jonathan Scott V1.2, I guess. This is what, the second time or third time, John? Yeah, but I think the third time. Third time. Third time. Yeah. So we'll, we'll just call it Jonathan uh, V3. All right. Um, and tonight we have a, a co-host, special co-host. Uh, a lot of you remember when I interviewed Zach M. not too long ago from Cyber Defense Services. Uh, tonight we have Hector Santiago, who is going to be my guest co-host and uh, probably a fixture on the show at some point, hopefully. Um, welcome tonight, Hector, and, and thanks for joining me. Uh, so as far as, uh, as far as news goes, um, not a whole lot. I just got back from Pennsylvania, Hershey, Pennsylvania, uh, speaking at PDE, which is the Pennsylvania Department of Education Conference, um, and talking about uh, risks and vulnerabilities that kids face on the internet and the little hackers that we're breeding and, and the types of damage they can do to the networks at school. And you'd be surprised how many people were shocked to hear what they're capable of. Um, it was really quite scary. Um, and then today, I just literally just finished up filming for uh, a docu-series um, out of Europe. Uh, and we filmed from early this morning until just like an hour or so ago. So it's been a, a pretty busy weekend. Um, but it's exciting and it's good news. And the more people that we can reach with, you know, security and, and make people aware of what's out there and, and the follies that they're facing and, and the dangers, I think that's really important, especially for kids. Um, so without further ado, let's get started. Uh, you know, Jonathan, it's been great to, to have you on the show previously. And, and we've talked about several multiple topics when it comes to mobile security and kind of what you were doing then um, and, you know, just dealing with trolls and, and all of the, <laughs> of all of the fanfare that comes with it. So why don't you give us an update and tell us, you know, where you're at, what you're doing now. It's been three or four months since we talked and I know a lot's happened since then. So why don't you give us a, an update really quick? Sure. Sure. So still, still hacking mobile and uh, mobile and IOT. And recently I've been um, just, I've been getting into um, crypto hardware wallet hacking. Nice. And uh, yeah, so it's, it's, so not only just the, the hardware uh, aspect, but um, you know, finding malicious applications that are out to steal cryptocurrency um, seed phrases, you know, just combing through the, your entire phone for, for anything related. Right. Um, really interesting um, time right now. Uh, and Elipal Wallet was one of the was the first crypto uh, wallet, the hardware wallet that I hacked, and they publicly, you know, acknowledged the hack and and uh, a really cool, really cool company. Um, and and since then, so I, I hacked a SecUX, and uh, and then a couple of others have hacked as well. I just it's just not out yet. Um, but yeah, but so so it's all it's all really interesting because. You know these hardware wallets are supposed to be super, super secured, and uh, even with Elipal, right? They 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 literally said we are unhackable, right? And that's their claim. And uh, well, of course, you know when you say that, it's just kind of like fuels the fire even more, right? And uh, it, you know, I signed NDA to to not disclose what the vulnerability was, and of course they paid me, right? And so you know, I I respect it, you know, <laughs> uh, but uh, but. But it's really interesting because the, I think that the, the, when, you, when you do say something like that, I mean, it kind of just pushes people harder, right? Mm -hmm. They're like, oh, we can't hack this, really? And, um, 
but you know, yeah, working with them has been great, you know, uh, so they put me on their security team to, you know, send me a new product and, and, you know, do testing when that comes out. Same with, uh, um, you know, SecUX. Um, and uh, so, so from there's led me into, you know, a lot of other, um, you know, crypto related, um, you know, things. So um, I was endorsed by uh, um, breadcrumbs, um, a blockchain forensics uh, firm. And awesome. uh, yeah, so I'm, I'm actually studying for my blockchain forensics exam. Um, so I, I love that. I, I love doing it. Right. So, I mean, it, it all kind of goes together. Right. So, I mean, we transact through with cryptocurrency on our, on our mobile devices. It's the number one way that we transact with, with cryptocurrency, mm-hmm. you know, hardware wallets just supposed to be safe, but it's all just kind of IOT mobile all together. So um, yeah, it's been really fun, really fun. Just, just jumping in with that crowd too. Uh, you know, staying away from the trolls, you know, <laughs> of course, there's always going to be some, but, uh, but yeah, so, so I've really started, um, you know, really enjoy that, that kind of, uh, um, you know, space right now. Um, it's a nice, it was a nice, uh, kind of a, you know, few months to, to learn something new. Right. You know, yeah. so, that's yeah. pretty awesome. And, and it's really important. I think too, is to, to do something you really enjoy. Um, you know, like Hector, Hector works for, for Zach and, and, you know, I had Zach on the show and, and listened to him talk about his passion, for what he does and for his team, you know, it's pretty impressive. And, you know, Hector, I'm sure that you know, you're the same way. You do what you love, right? Yes, sir. You know how it is. Whenever you got something in your mind or whenever you got something that uh, you are curious about, mm-hmm. you might as well explore it, which is like the whole uh, cybersecurity, offensive, defensive. And that's that's basically where where uh, we're at, and that's what gets you where you need to be. Yeah, I think it's a curiosity. You know, you and I talked a lot about this, Jonathan, and, and our passion for, for what we do. Um, and I think what's what's really interesting is when you find something that you know is big, but you can't really talk about it, and how difficult it is not to talk about it. Um, you and I discussed a, a vulnerability that, that I developed that wasn't really a vulnerability that existed, but I created it. And it, I've had to sit on that for a while now. It's really itching. Um, and I really want to get it out to the public. But in doing so, I know that if I do it ahead of schedule or, or ahead of when it's expected, it can cause damage to both me and the products that it affects, right? So tell me about that when it comes to finding vulnerabilities in, in like blockchain or blockchain wallets you know do you do you sometimes sit and think about you know should i release this or should i not release this you know because i think with any researcher that's the biggest question that we ask ourselves right so so there's um and this is it's a good point because because i know that the last time that we actually our first our first podcast Mm -hmm. i was talking about you know i i always release things to the public first and then you know from there they can but but when it there's a point that you know, I, I realize I can't do that. Right. Um, so particularly with this case, so uh, if people are probably listening to this and well, it's a hardware wallet, what's the, what's the big deal? Well, these are like, and these are Android based hardware wallets, right? So, so it, it falls literally right in line with mobile, right? So if you're a mobile hacker, pick up one of these wallets and then you, and then you, you can imagine, right. <laughs> that, um, that you can imagine how, well, vulnerabilities are just crazy. Um, so, but yes, I couldn't, I couldn't actually, um, you know, I don't, I don't usually sign NDAs, right. I don't usually do that. It's kind of like was against my ethos, but in this, in this sense, like, 
it was it was such an issue that um yeah i it, i didn't i could not let that out and and we worked uh, i worked with the team for a while actually it was it was it was people had no idea right so when it came out um people you know people were saying like oh wait what <laughs> it's so it's not secured but but the thing is is we worked we worked together to the extent that we we made sure that the patch was in place by the time that they released the news right so there was already a patch in place and so no one could say oh well my my wallet was comparable well you you know push the push the patch um you know and uh, you know new products are actually released with the patch and uh, and you know i tested the patch you know the the whole bit um but yeah when it comes to when it comes to like finances and financial um you know call you know crypto companies are, are gen, you know i view it as like a financial institution we've got to be very very mindful of that because yeah as, as you know that this this money's just just leaving these institutions and um yeah it, it is very very important to use discretion uh when when you're running these kinds of vulnerabilities um it, it's not like a it's not like a, a, a you know some sort of a maybe a, some sort of a bypass like an frp bypass or something this is a whole nother level right yeah and, and when you look at like sanctions like the us puts sanctions on north korea and china all the time right and what's the first thing they go after they go after cryptocurrency you know absolutely you, you get the chinese popping up crypto mining farms and, and you know trying to hack into walls to, to steal crypto um, and I think that's the route that we're going to go. You know, I think eventually the U.S. dollar is going to end up succumbing to the economy that we're in right now. I mean, it's tanking as, as we watch it. And then when you watch Russia uh, with what's going on with Russia and Ukraine, you know, they, they've been pretty much disconnected from the world banking institutions. So what's what's there left to do besides go to crypto? Um, you know, the U.S. can't control that completely. Uh, the sanctions don't work on that side. Um, so that it's a natural transgression. Uh, and I, I think it's interesting too. I think that we need to pay more attention to the blockchain and to the security of the blockchain because, you know, we all, all three of us know that the blockchain is not hundred percent secure. Um, and if the FBI is able to go in and steal people's, uh, cryptocurrency from them after they do a ransomware attack, that obviously it's not secure if they can do that. Um, but one thing I found interesting, I had someone send me not too long ago, um, a guy gifted me an NFT. And it was really interesting. I've never seen this before. I'm not really in depth into NFTs or anything like that. But it was basically like a ghost, right? And it developed over a period of time. And now it's become this little character. And he's recommended you know, a wallet to maintain this, this NFT in. Um, so it just NFTs are really confusing for, I think, most people. So why don't you guys, I'm sure, Hector, I'm sure you know about NFTs. Jonathan, I'm sure you know about NFTs as well. Why don't you guys lay out for me exactly what NFTs are on a layman's level to where people watching the viewers and listeners can understand exactly what they are and maybe the risk involved with NFTs. I'll let you guys discuss that and hash that out. You go, Jonathan. Right. I'm, not, I'm not that great with NFTs. Sure. Um, however, I try to figure out how to just copy and paste the NFT. That's, sure. <laughs> that's, what, yeah. that's what most people would like. Our mindset might probably want to do. Um, I I know I know a lot of people that, that like actually uh, have their doubts about NFTs, uh, sure. but at the same time. At the same time, like myself, 
like like I'm not like the whole like oh the NFT master for this kind of stuff. Like uh, I I will I will I will probably code an NFT. Fact like uh, it's just a link list uh, pointed to each other, hash it, and then the hash number just like I can pro I I'll probably code it, no problem. But like I'm still like understanding and developing like how can like this like thing like how this like uh, piece of code that is hash can cannot be uh, secure or hacked because like you can even nowadays if you tell the computer to 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 potentially just like uh, if the hats change you can make a function to tell it to go back to the last number that it was it's that's that's just a straight code programming uh, so I got a whole bunch of dabs too when it comes to the whole NFT yeah yeah I, I think so uh, when we say nft people generally always jump towards like a piece of art but an nft is is a contract right that's 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 what it is right an nft is is, is a smart contract um and you know let's just take for example written in solidity and so the assets that can that you can create attached to an nft and NFT are, are what we understand as like NFT art, NFT music. And so, for example, um, why would anybody want an NFT, right? Well, it's, it's, a, it's a JPEG, right? It's, people are like, this is a scam. This is crazy, right? Um, but this is where the contract comes in. So let's just say that um, you, I'm sure you're all familiar with Photoshop and you know, layers that you can create. Um, imagine now you're taking that ghost, right? Someone sends you a ghost and, and the, the body shape is one layer. The background is another layer. The eyes, the mouth maybe has wings or, or any other details. And let's just say we have now like 12, you know, to 20 different, um, you know, layers. And each one of these are, are, are part of, um, you know, create the asset, the full asset, right? So these are individual characteristics, right? Within that, that create that NFT. So the NFT art, that is. So the smart contract will say, um, this is the percentage of the, uh, the piece of art that, let's uh, just say, 10% of this art are eyes. You know, 5% uh, are a mouth and, you know, background or, or whatever it may be. And so all of these, these, uh, these characteristics are held in this contract. And so if you don't receive exactly what what's in that contract well well you know that you've you've been you've been shammed and this is what makes these 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 pieces of art unique so um and this is where they, it becomes like very rare or or maybe like a you know one of a kind um you know asset so uh you know let's just say that you know people can make ten thousand. that's like that general number ten thousand nft images and then just kind of run through a script and then they they take all those individual assets the eyes the mouth and everything and then they just randomize it to for ten thousand different you know uh, images now that's that's okay but but where let's just take like a board ape for example and those you know the board apes are you know the hottest you know nft art pieces out right now and and they're taking it to another level Right. So, um, so now we have this, this, we started with this image, right? This image has a contract bound to it and say, Hey, this, this image is unique. So now the artists are actually, um, have another Avenue 
I can't see it because your fuzz, or your their blur. Yeah, I'm gonna unblock the blur really quick so you can get a, a, an image of what he's talking about as far as the the crypto art goes, um, which is really quite interesting. Yeah. Um, so I was sent this. It's on OpenSea, and this is what. Well, let's see if we can get a decent shot of it here. Uh, it's not there. We go. You can kind of see it. It's a ghost friends. And so when I first got it, there was nothing there and it developed over time. And that's what I have now. So that represents Thanks. the smart contract he's talking about. Yes, absolutely. So, so yes, so there's a smart contract behind, the, you know, behind this piece of art. Now, um, this is where it gets a little interesting because, all right, so let's just say that on, on OpenSea, there's a placeholder image. Okay. That placeholder image, it's what you're expecting to purchase, right? And, and, uh, but, but there are times where, um, what you expect to purchase is by the time it finally, this, this smart contract executes and, and, and the funds are actually, uh, you, you actually transact, you get a, you get a, you get a link, right? So, so these images are held e either on web two, either in an AWS server or on a, you know, air quotes, like air a web three IPFS, uh, server, um, which is basically a peer to peer. Uh, hosted um, server, and uh, and so so that link that you get ends up in that once once the contract is executed, um, that's it. Right, that's you know that's uh, it's on chain, and uh, that's that's what you bought, and you bought like uh, you bought you know a, a a speck of of something, and then they'll they'll just they'll do the same rug over and over so they're selling back that you know super fancy piece of art but end up sending you something you know like a spec that's 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 just even one way how these things can happen is it because inside that smart contract you have 24 kb worth of data that you can actually put into a smart contract you cannot go beyond that um or uh it, it you know it, it's just not it's not possible right now hopefully in the future but uh with that said um that's where those links come in. So it, it kind of, there's, there's a lot of issues with that. So, um, but then again, there's also even code that can be written into these smart contracts that says, all right, uh, I'm going to, maybe, maybe I'm going to sell you an ape, but um, I'm going to write a piece of code that's actually going to reverse that. And so I'm going to, so what's going to happen is once we, once the transaction happens, there's a reversal that's going to actually happen in the, within the contract. And I've seen it many times, many, many times. And so they get their eight back. You get, you get, you know, you, your bag gets taken. And, and so this is why it's very important to make sure that if you're going to be purchasing an, uh, an art asset or a music asset or, or a utility, right. And utility even is like a, you know, like a, a physical thing or, or, or some sort of a, um, you know, earning of a, of a, an a earning of a, a timeshare or whatever it could be that, um, that you have someone audit that contract. And if it does, and if it's not been audited, right, by a professional service, uh, let's just say Open Zeppelin, for example, then then this is something that you really need to to be mindful of because you you can be taken advantage of, um, the, and it happens every single day. I cannot even tell you. Like I, I've worked so many so many different cases, um, you know, just yeah, it, it it gets pretty pretty bad. But uh, you know, there's a lot of advantages to the NFTs, and, uh, that I can see. And even in the future now, even with the board apes, right? So uh, the board apes have, have created a token now, 
which is the ape token. And now they're opening, uh, they're opening a restaurant in, in, in California. And uh, it's been said that they'll be using that ape coin so you can actually transact with ape coin. And it's going to be really interesting, uh, you know. So now they're kind of moving on into different uh, different things, but but again, that that coin is behind a smart contract, mm-hmm. right? So that smart contract actually allows you to transact and buy and sell. You buy and sell a coin with a smart contract. It's all there's always a smart contract behind the, this whole thing. So yeah, it's pretty interesting. So like when that was sent to me, I thought, okay, someone's trying to either hack me or, you know, take advantage of me, right? Because it, he was giving me the NFT. It wasn't like I purchased it. It, it was given to me. Um, and with Ghost Friends, it kind of develops over time. So when I first got the link, there was nothing there. And as time goes by, that that NFT comes to light or it grows. Um, and then I got a link for a wallet to keep that NFT in. But when you first get into it, there is a lot of moving parts to it. And, you know, for the layman and, and the people who don't understand you know, what it's all about, it could be mind boggling. Right. So you know, my first reaction when I got that link was, should I click on this shit? Like, do, <laughs> I don't know this dude. Should, should I click on it? It's a gift. How many times do I get a free gift? You know, um, but I, I took a chance. Yeah, you, and You got what you got, what's called an airdrop. That's yeah. So they call it an airdrop. Yeah. Yeah. Those are those are like those are awesome because they're free, right? And the yeah. value of them could like just skyrocket. So you, you actually have something pretty valuable on your hands. Yeah. Yeah, and it was pretty cool because I, I, you know, people give me stuff, but usually there's something attached to it, right? Just like I give people stuff, and there's normally some kind of reverse communication coming from it. Um, but yeah, it was a total gift, and it gave me a, a, a chance to like really look into it and see what it was all about. Um, and I think you know, like you said, the world of NFT is it's interesting. Uh, but there are a lot of chances to get screwed over in NFTs as well when it comes to smart contract. So I was named CISO of a company in Scotland that was a smart contract company. Um, they, it, was, it was a tokenization of assets, right? So what, what happens is, like, let's say a piece of information um, is held within this server. And each person that has access to the information, it's tokenized, right? So if you if you crack that token or if you hack that communication, there's literally no data attached to it because it's tokenized. Um, but at the time, it was such a young company, and, and you know I complain about it all the time. I, I literally worked for them for free, uh, and to find out it was literally just to get them into uh, Financial Times magazines. Uh, they used me to get somewhere else. Um, it was really shitty. Uh, yeah. But I learned a lot in the process about blockchain and tokenization and where we're going as a civilization, which brings to, to mind another great concept. And Jonathan, I haven't talked to you about this very much, but so when I had Zach on, um, Hector works with him and Zach's a CEO. And he actually, I, I think I told you, he, he has a data center, uh, a cloud that literally runs in his van and is run off of solar power, um, which I thought was fucking mind-blowing, right? Like how many times you see technology like that floating down the street, like AWS on wheels is what, what I thought of. Um, so Hector, why don't you take a, a moment and tell us about that concept and, and both of these like NFTs and, and blockchain moving data centers and clouds to mobile platforms are all very groundbreaking, very cutting edge. Um, 
and like Jonathan, we talked earlier, you know, when, when people had these ideas, uh, people, you know, usually, you know, crack jokes at it or, or try to say it won't work or try to say this is imaginary. Um, you know, we talked about the flat earth idea and, and Galileo's, you know, look at view of the earth and how people are still thinking that the earth is flat. Um, but these concepts are new concepts. And a lot of people are, oh, they're crazy, but it'll never work. So Hector, tell us about what you have going on with the cyber defensive initiative and, and what you uh, what you guys are working on. Because I, I to me, I think it's it's a gold mine. So our stuff is very different than what everybody else do. Um, um, some of the stuff that I can share will be like, like uh, there's such a thing like a copy and paste data center uh, that you can just you can just grab it uh, from somewhere else. So instead of now you going to AWS or Microsoft or whatever, uh, there is ways now that you can uh, uh, just basically copy and paste the code and you got a data center. Uh, that's like one of the biggest things like uh, 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 NATO from Cloud Underground, uh, they are promoting this thing like uh, real, real big because it's, it's just good. Like, like it's not really need to have an actual uh, uh, servers and this kind of stuff now serving uh, next to you. However, you can also host your own data center and if you know how to uh, develop that code that goes behind it, then the only thing you have to do to share is just uh, basically code, like just copy and paste, uh, which is one of the biggest things that now going on. Um, it's, it's a different kind of cloud, uh, but at the same time, uh, it's more like, uh, not really the whole big Amazon or big uh, Google. It's it's an easier, more more secure way than uh, the bigger companies. Like for example, the bigger companies get hacked uh, by the sixteen-year-olds. Then then you're gonna know that like hey, you know like, like what's going on here? Like, like how this thing is like happening? You don't know. You got no clue of what's going on, what's happening, and. Um, one, because it's closed source, so you don't really know where you're talking to uh, versus whenever you have your own uh, copy and paste data center, you know your code, you know what, what, uh, what doesn't go uh, in the data center, you know if somebody attack it, and, and whenever you have control over that stuff, you can react however you want to react. And I know some of you guys, some and you guys probably know that the cybersecurity industry is like real, real dirty. Uh, it's like people trying to hack you, people try to attack you. And uh, like some of the big companies, they cannot really, they have a lot more to lose versus having a, a if you were to have your own copy and paste data center or somebody that can manage it, it will be different. Because it's not, there's no really that much limitations. It's, it's, it's a small surface versus a big, huge surface. Yeah. And I, I think it's important because, you know, 
having you two guys on the show is really important to me because you guys kind of represent the forward thinking, you know, let's push the envelope a little bit further. Let's, let's find something new. Let's find something better. And I think big tech has stood in the way of innovation for so long in our industry that it's kind of stifled the voices of, you know, the, the grassroots initiatives like the cloud server, um, you know, like the mobile hacking, the, the, the type of research you do, Jonathan. Um, and I think it's important that the world listens to, listens to the grassroots and what we're trying to put out there, that big tech is definitely going to try to stop and, and try to diminish and, and hide the fact that we can do this on our own. Um, and I think that's the biggest risk to innovation and to the future is, you know, we have a lot of bright minds out there like you guys that, that are really going after trying to innovate and trying to push technology to the next level. But big tech doesn't want that because they want to shut down that thinking because they control that space right now. Um, Jonathan, yeah. you've, you've seen that firsthand, um, yeah. you know, with, with like Apple and, and some of the other yeah. vendors that you put something out there and they're like, they try to quiet it, right? Yeah. So actually even recently, so, I mean, it, it you know, I, I was assigned two CVEs recently and I'm, I'm waiting for my other CVEs. Um, but I mean, it took, it took me, it took me like six, almost seven months, actually, almost seven months um, from when I reported uh, to, to actual assignment of the CVEs. Now <laughs> I'm in a battle with Samsung right now um, because I, uh, you know, w- one of the vulnerabilities that I, I've, I've, um, sent to them is a wiper and this wiper has been around for 13 years in every single one of these samsung devices now here's the thing is like you know people there's there's actually actually there's a a guy a british british guy um that's uh really you know well known um I think he, he started the hacker warehouse i think that's what it was yeah um and he said and I was going to release the code because Samsung at the time was just, they weren't having it. They were like, no, nope, this is not an issue. This is the wipers or whatever. That's not a big deal. And he said, let me tell you, if you release this code, you're literally releasing a weapon out to the public. This guy's got like over 120,000 followers, super well-respected, um, you know, and, and telling me you better think about releasing this. Right. He said, he said, yes, people have been using this to, to, you know, for phone repair, you know, tech and tactics, but what you created is a weapon. And he said it in a tweet, public tweet to me. And so what I, what I actually created was I created a portable wiper. So I put it, I put a, I got a raspberry Pi, yeah. and then, you know, uh, you know, the prototype is, is kind of raw. So, uh, you know, an OTG adapter and then on plugin for any Samsung device, Boom, you're wiped, boom, you're wiped, boom, you're wiped. And people are like, oh, what the fuck? Nobody's can, can nobody cares about this. You're stupid. You're an idiot. You're you're a fraud. You're stupid. You're a goddamn idiot. And I'm like, you're an fucking idiot. Because here's let me tell you why. You ever heard of juice jacking? You ever been outside of your fucking house and actually plugged into a goddamn like usb port in an airport you ever gone to a public charging station outside of the united states you know you're the fucking idiot and and so i mean this is it gets me all worked up because i'm like you don't get it if i can put it on a raspberry pi we can put this on a pico pi and then we can put that on a nano pi and then from there we can put it on a just a freaking chip Mm -hmm. and then we could put it in a public charging station and then samsung was like well this is allowed because um, 
well, you know, there's a passcode on the device and you can't get past the passcode. And I said, let me tell you this. And I, and I, and I, and I, and I, and I, 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 I play, I gamed it out for them. And I actually did the proof of concept and I said, I'm gonna put this on a timer. And so by the time that well, you're in your public charging station and you plug in the device, I already recognized that you're plugged in, right? And I showed them the code. I showed them the video, right? Because they, that's what they wanted. And I said, so while you're browsing your phone, unlocked, right? You're unlocked. Your passcode's not on there. Boom, you're wiped. That's it. And they're mm -hmm. like, well, you know, this is, this is, this isn't, you know, it's fair use. This is how there's a passcode on the device. I'm like, but here's the thing. I bypassed your I bypassed your uh, your access controls because if you're trying to wipe, right, it's going to actually you have to go into reset factory settings. You have to if you're manually doing it properly, you, I bypassed that. Right. But here's the deal: this is an engineering function that has mm -hmm. been out for 13 years. Yeah, they recognize it. They know it. And so I asked some help from some friends in Korea because in the United States. And, you know, in other, uh, you know, Western countries, um, yeah, uh, we, we don't appreciate these kinds of things as much as that. That's their daily driver over there. Mm -hmm. Samsung, LG, that's their daily driver. And when they found out about this, they went crazy. When they actually, when they actually found out what, the, what my CVEs were for, they went crazy. In America, they're like, you're a fraud. You probably stole that. You get your goddamn. And I'm like, and over there, they're like, holy shit, how do we stop this? So right. I was consulting. I consulted with, with, uh, with, with uh, South Korea. I consulted with Ecuador, who, who in another country that's really you know, heavily, heavily uses LG phones. And they said, how can we stop this? Because here's the thing, like LG only patched a couple of uh, a couple of models mm. but this has been out and, and the cve says from android version 1.0 to 10.0 for every single lg tablet and phone in the entire world we can data wipe and we can backdoor to get authorized android adb access without you ever knowing yep. and so all these other countries besides the u.s well the U.S. I mean, Twitter is not is not the whole U.S., but these they think they, they are. <laughs> they think they are right. But it's like it's like the necessary evil, right? Um, but uh, but but yeah. So it's like, wait a second. This is really affecting people. And for people to say no one cares about your wiper, it's ridiculous. It's like you have literally never been outside of your your basement, right? And the world works like this. I mean. Sometimes you really do need to go to a public charging, you know, or you're in the airport sitting there and there's a USB port right next to the chair that you're in. It, it, come on, guys. You know, even, I mean, even on the plane, on the plane. Yes. <laughs> right? They're like, yeah, plug in. We offer USB, you know, and then it's like, wait a second. Come on. I yep. saw, you know what I saw real quick. I saw today uh, someone's uh, someone's Twitter and it was um, they were. They were showing a, a, a video, uh, I think it was in, in like McKinney, Texas, and that someone had placed a faceplate over one of those VeriSign um, you know, pads, uh, you know, at a gas station. And that faceplate, you can punch in your, your key code. It allowed you to still swipe, but that, that faceplate on the back of it was transmitting all those codes back. And it was literally an exact like smack replica, just right, sat right on top of it. And the attendant pulled it off and she was like, what the? hell is this and and i'm just like you think that this can't ha you do you think that this is not happening now like juice jacking has been around for almost a decade 
Yeah. And, and if people don't know what that is, like that's literally plugging in your device into a public charging station and stealing all your data. That's juice jacking. It's been yeah. around for over a decade. And if you don't think that, I mean, this is, it blew my mind. Anyways, I got all worked up about it, so, but, but, but yeah. So, so it was something, it was something like novel that someone hadn't seen. No one had created a wiper like this until I made it. But when I, when I finally showed it, they're like, you're an idiot. No one's going to use that. <laughs> So, yeah, well, so, that, so, that's so it's amazing. almost the reverse of slurping, right? So I remember we used to create the USBs that you would plug it into a laptop and it would automatically grab everything from specific directories, you know, slurping. Yeah. So yeah. juicing is the same thing. It's just reversed. Yeah. Um, and so what I find really interesting, right? We talk about Twitter and we talk about, you know, how people react to certain things and the disconnect and the combat that goes on on social media when someone comes up with an idea or when somebody finds a vulnerability and everybody, everybody wants to discredit that person or, or make that person look bad. I don't understand that. I'll never understand that. Instead of trying to discredit people, why not work with those people and figure out what they're talking about? Give them a chance to talk you know, and, and yep. give credit to what they're doing because that makes us stronger as an industry. Instead of, yeah. we have a lot of people who want to be um, George Clooney's of cybersecurity, right? They, they want to be the it. They want to be the person, but we don't need that. I mean, what, what point does that serve? What, what, you know, what purpose is that? Um, but when we work together, like you and I have talked about s- several different things that, that, that we're working on um, and we toss ideas off of each other. And that's the way that it's supposed to be. It's supposed to be knowledge share and collaboration, not right. this combat where, oh, what you're doing is wrong. Or, you know, it's, I, that, that shit really pisses me off. And that's yeah. what we've come to in this industry is people are fighting to, to get a name in the industry. And by, by putting people down, they think that makes them look better. Um, and it just destroys the concept, right? And I, I just, to be honest with you, Twitter is just an absolute like acid pot. Like I hate even going there sometimes because all I see is people flaming each other. Um, just recently, I was going to um, speak at a conference in Atlanta, and we had you know a bunch of speakers lined up, and the people that I speak for are always diverse. Um, you know me, Jonathan. I, I've always had diversity on my show. Um, I make a point to, to give every, everybody everybody a voice. Yep. Yep. Um, but the people that that were organizing organizing the conference looked at the speaker list and realized that there was no diversity, but that wasn't their fault. They opened it up for speakers, and those are the people who put themselves forward to speak. And you know, we had to really work hard at the end to try to you know figure out what we're going to do. And in the end, we thought, you know, the CEO took a step forward and said, "Look, we're, we're just going to postpone this event until we can get a very diverse selection of people because that's what we believe in." Um, but you would not believe the amount of flame that was going on about that that situation. And here's, here's a group of people, the co-host of the show is female, you know? And it's like, what do you mean? It wasn't meant, it's not like they organized a group of people and said, okay, here, here's what we're going to do, guys. We're going to have a conference with nothing but white male speakers. That right. doesn't happen. We don't do that. Yeah. Uh, but that's what our industry has come to. You know, if you don't show that diversity, even though, you know, it's not intended to be that way, um, people get all upset. And I just, you know... I wanted to focus on that a little bit because of the fact that our industry has gotten so volatile towards certain people over the past 10 years that it just really disgusts me. Um, yeah. 
And that's why I always make a point to promote people, right? I do a lot with, um, you know, Black Girls Hack, and I, I do a lot for that community. I do a lot for every diversity I can possibly embrace because I know what it's like to be that that niche or or that not accepted in, in a certain industry. Um, and I think as an industry, we need to pull together. I mean, look at our panel right here. We have enough diversity, you know, to fuel anybody's conversation. Um, and that's the, way, that's the way it should be. But if that doesn't happen, it doesn't mean we have to step up and fight each other. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I, th- I think too, when it, when it comes to the, like the technical aspect of things first, right. When we address that is that there's this, um, there's this kind of this, 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 uh, hierarchy of, of infosec people that have been to like DEF CON for the past 10 years. And then they're, they think that they're like run the show and that they're the ones that actually know exactly what, an RCE is right. Like right. most people can't even define an RCE, right? They so an RCE is what they think is an RCE, right? right? And what even if other people say that that's not an RCE, what doesn't matter because you haven't been to DefCon for ten years, you know? <laughs> and, right. it's, and it's silly, right? It's literally silly, and um, it, it's it's the it's the most asinine thing about Twitter. It's like when when someone says uh, you well, experts have said that you're wrong. <laughs> what, what what do you think what, what what about you like who and who's and it's like well that expert the experts and it's like it's like it's this broken record and it's like who's the expert right and then you never get to them you never find them you never actually and it's just like so uh, it was it was funny because uh you know like like, uh, like you and i were talking about mike it was is like the more memes and the more uh fake jonathan scott accounts that you make on twitter the worse it is for you, right. literally, like you're making it worse. If you're, if I, if you're actually trying to make a claim against me, you're literally killing your claim. And other people are actually telling the trolls, you know, you're making it worse, right? Like they're like, we actually have a claim. We actually have something that he's a fraud. And they're like, but, but you're literally making it worse by like threatening my wife's life or like, like stalking my family or, or posting like bullshit, like whatever, making rap videos about me. Like why are people going to believe anyone? Right. Yeah. So like, so I talked to some some media and, uh, and some, some pretty big media and, and they asked me, they said, well, why, why are people saying this about you? And I sent them like, just leave, <laughs> leave it alone. If you want to watch the rap video, it's fine you know, but you know, it's kind of one of those things. And so, uh, you know, they're still going to interview me because this is what it's come to, right? You have, you're literally killing whatever it is that you're trying to do by making it worse. But here's the thing. Again, there's still that gatekeeping. No, that's not a vulnerability. No, that's not an issue. Why not? Because I said, it's not. And that's, that's that. And I'm like, you know, we're the same age, right? Like, you know, you're a millennial. I'm a millennial. I'm 30. You know, we're both 35 and you know, we're both in high positions in companies and you don't, I'm not like, you know, you're my peer. I'm not like, I'm not a student of yours. Like, you know, that <laughs> let, let's get this real, right? Like this yeah. is, this is what's up. And um, it's just, it's just funny like that. Now the diversity thing's really funny too. And, and I, this was really interesting because you know, I had, I had uh, some, a troll trying to start up like, oh, well, you hate Hispanics. You, you hate the, you hate Mexican columns. Like, you know, I'm Hispanic, right? Like you, like, <laughs> I got a white last name, but my family says, like, what are you talking about? Like, you don't like, you, like it, it makes no sense. 
right? Like, oh, you you can't say that you like frijoles. You can't say frijoles like that. Why? Right. Well, because you're making because you're you're culturally appropriating that word, and you're and I'm like, you're you got to be you're kidding me, right? Like like like, like that's like it's that's how I was raised, right? <laughs> frijoles, frijoles, come at me. <laughs> <laughs> right yeah i'm you know, from texas like, like, too we, we call it frijoles I'm, I'm yeah from texas. come on I you call know, it abichuelas just, oh, there you go there yeah. you go abichuelas right? yeah, it's, it's just that's how it is and that's it, how it is yeah, abichuelas, and like, right and i don't even know you guys though but uh like honestly i don't even get on twitter uh okay. i i do have an account on twitter but i probably got on on it like last year and uh my background too is different. I'm a like military. I spent 20 years in the military. So yeah, me too. Oh, so, so do you know how the whole diversity in the military mm -hmm. is like, you just, it's you, forced diversity. It's forced diversity in the military. Oh yeah. Yeah. For sure. A, I mean, I'm, um, I'm not going to lie. I'm still exploring the whole civilian uh, world really because it's just weird and it's just like Jonathan said like, like if you do something real real good then you get attacked mm -hmm. yes that's for some reason or 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 if a certain company some of the companies the only thing you have to do if you want to look at a certain company you want to work at a certain company Look at their diversity, and uh, by looking, you can tell if if it's like, oh, this company probably gonna give uh, somebody else opportunity, or this company like like you can you can kind of sense that stuff. But people yeah. don't really get that, you know. Well, and tw and Twitter is is a bad bad place to begin with because the people who have influence, right? People that are Twitter influencers, it's almost like they go and look for things to blame people about, just so they can get that horde, that mob mentality going, and, and get the pitchforks and the tiki torches going. You know, exactly. and it really it pisses oh, me off. Man. So you remember when I got attacked, right? And oh, it was yeah. it was guys from a group that I used to be with, and he, here they are, like. Oh, he, he's not, he, he's not from this group. We don't know who he is. And I'm like, wait a minute, Let, let's put this in perspective, right? You're taking a whole entire show of your podcast to spend on who I am. So that makes me important, right? So I, I must be somebody in your eyes, right? And yeah. so I talked to a lot of people about that. <laughs> and it That's was funny. like, everybody who has gotten to the level that I think that we're, we're all at, right? You, you know, we're, we're all getting that same type of attention sometimes. And I think what happens is when you get to a certain level, there's always going to be those people who want to get to that level, but don't want to work to get there. So they try to take you down. And by doing that, they think that's going to put them where you were at. But the problem is it doesn't work that way. We put in a lot of hours, a lot of knowledge, and spend a lot of time with a lot of people helping people to get where we're at. I didn't get here because I stepped on a lot of people. I got here because I help people. And I continue to do it. I continue to give people a voice and and a platform they can speak from. And there's always going to be those people that, that have that envy, right? That, that success envy that want to take you down. And Twitter, man, you talked about like the DEF CON guys who've gone there for like 20, 30 years, whatever, that, you know, stir up these, these hate mobs. Um, you know, and same, same with, with all groups. And it really just, I don't understand it. And that's that mob mentality that I just don't get. It's like they, yeah. they, get off and, and, and they, they're happy about putting someone in an uncomfortable position and putting a bunch of people against them um, to the point where I've seen people ran off the internet and people close their accounts because they, oh, can't, yeah. 
they can't deal with the trolls. But I, I refuse. I, I refuse that shit. Like, come come yeah. at me, and I'm just gonna ignore you until you're done, and I'm gonna continue doing what I'm doing. Yeah, I saw that. I saw that with a reporter actually, mm-hmm. um, a reporter that interviewed me. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it's funny because even like professionals were telling these this Twitter mob what's the problem with what Jonathan interviewed with this reporter? Like, what's the issue? Like literally, why are you and like, well, it's a, it's, it's disinformation. It's this, it's like, no, it's not like what Jonathan said was not, like, we're talking about like, like legit professionals that are like have established names telling these, these people, why are you giving this reporter a hard time? And, you know, but they're just like, you know what, you're probably in on it with him. And it's just like, come on. It's a conspiracy. So yeah. But he, and it's what's funny is it that people say, so I started blocking everybody because I was like, you know what, I don't need this bullshit. Like my feed, like my feeds were so filled with just bullshit. Hey, and I'm like, people can't actually see the message. So I started blocking and hiding the, the replies. People are saying, oh, well, you're just making an echo chamber. And I'm like, you know what, let me tell you something. If you're going into a mega church and you're screaming in a mega church, I love the devil. You know, the devil is real and inside of me. What the hell do you think is going to happen? You're going to get kicked out because that echo chamber is what people want to hear. That's why people are in that giant echo chamber. And that's why they're listening to Joel Olstein because they want to listen to the message. And you know what? I don't have a problem blocking. And fuck everybody that says you should not block them because you're creating. No, fuck you, because (laughs) I'm trying to get my message out and these trolls are stopping. So come into my church if you want to hear my message. And if yeah. you're going to cause a problem in my church, you're going to be taken out. And have, I don't have, have a problem, you know? Have, have you ever gone to Twitter and reported people? Because I have. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, and Twitter yes. always responds with, this doesn't violate our code of conduct. And I'm like, okay, yeah. really? So, so you're telling me that someone harassing me is okay? And it's when you funny. report to Twitter, either you don't get a response or you get a big fuck you. And yeah. people continue. This guy, this guy recently, um, this guy, he was saying all kinds of horrible, nasty things mm. to the extent where Twitter actually had actually suspended his account. And so he really? posted, so he created another account and he says, this, this fraud, Jonathan Scott got my other Twitter account suspended. Got, he got my other Twitter account suspended. So this is my new one. And he had like 2000 followers, something like that. And he's like, he's, and so anyways, I found his account and I blocked him again. And uh, because it's the Twitter's nasty. Like if they block you first, they can still post on your feed. Mm-hmm. Nasty little thing, right? Nasty little, little, little thing that they do. Um, but, but anyway, so, so yeah, actually, you know, I reported this person because I mean, they were saying like vulgar things. Like you look, you can harass and you can make your memes and your remixes and whatever, but don't start saying nasty stuff. Like just, you know, I, I'm not, this, this is not how I even roll in, in, in real life. Right. Like I'm not going to talk like it, it was like a 16 year old kid, like that kind of dirty, nasty, you know, shit, you know, I'm not, I'm not down with it. So, so anyways, um, yeah, he got his account suspended, but everyone else, same thing. It's not, it doesn't violate our rules. You can, you can talk about, you know, whatever the hell you want ever, you know, Yeah. Well, you look at Twitter and, and the way that they reacted to, let's say different political parties. And they're definitely politicized, right? They're they're very very oh, yeah. when it comes to that. Definitely, they're left. They're and super when, left. Super left. And when you yeah, watch, I'm not even happened. on Twitter, and I know. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. They. Oh yeah. I mean, <laughs> and when you probably watch what, the reason why I'm not verified is because I'm not left. Yeah. And you know, 
exactly. And when you watch, I don't, even what they did, I don't even bother with it anymore. Like, fuck it. I'll never get verified. No. And w- when you watch what they did with like the Taliban and allowed the Taliban to continue having an account on Twitter and, you know, the same thing with Putin still had an account on Twitter, but you know, what happened to the Republicans? Let's take Trump, for instance, where is his Twitter account now? You know, so here's, here's a social media platform that's supposed to be for everyone, right? For the people, but they're definitely, definitely politicized and they definitely allow people to troll. I mean, it's, it's, it's black and white. They do it every day. I can't count how many people I had to report when I got attacked and nobody got affected. And I thought, if this doesn't violate your code of conduct, then I don't know what does because I've gotten direct threats. I've had, you know, threats of, of physical, you know, harm yeah. to myself or to, to yeah. people around me, but sure. they allowed that shit. Yep. And it was like, wait a minute, you know, and we wonder why kids get bullied and why kids commit suicide because they get bullied on the internet because jackasses like Twitter allow that to happen because they're politicized and they, they want that kind of, that kind of disconnect and that kind of friction because it fuels their platform. Well, it seems like they, like they want, so they, they want people to make more accounts to make it seem like, Oh, we have like all these users and we have, and I'm like, I'm like, do you know how many people I block a day? that have made like zero followers zero following like no picture just account created today and they yeah exactly and 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 i'm just like what the hell i mean to the extent where um i was like what the hell is one of the there's there was a guy he was super drunk he was super super drunk one day and just talking all kinds of bullshit to me in the the dms and talking about my wife and this and this and i'm like okay whatever whatever you know and then uh finally he's like you know I do this for a living. And I was like, what, what do you do? He's like, I, yeah. He's like, I spam. <laughs> and he's like, yeah, he, and he's literally admitted to me that he, he's, he's a spammer for hire. That's his full-time job. And I'm like, I guess, I mean, if you're good at it, may, I mean, whatever, do your thing. Right. But, but like, that's, that's thanks for like confirming you know what? Everybody's like, no, this isn't real. This is not spam farms. Like it's like all, you know, it's all like QAnon bullshit. You know, you're you're reading. And I'm like, no, this is real. Like, if you go to, there's a site called like I think it's called Player Up. Mm-hmm. You can buy a verified Twitter account for twenty five hundred bucks, and it has like forty thousand followers, and it's got like you know a great reputation score on it. You know, um, and you can buy it. And there's they they just keep making them. Like there's there's just and and it's legit. These are legit. I mean. We're talking like there's two verified accounts for board apes. So these these board apes that uh, they said that they were the, the the co-founders. They're not the co-founders. They they were literally sending you to uh you know uh, like literally a place where they can just steal your 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 money, and people started stealing the money. And I posted up and I posted, hey, don't click on this. That they're fake. That's not the actual co-founders of the board apes. Don't click on it. Uh, they've stolen, eight, you know, they've stolen eighteen thousand dollars so far. I have actually traced it out, and of course, the trolls come behind me and they're like, "Oh, you're an idiot! Eighteen thousand? You have the weakest posts ever. You don't have any sort of a like, like you don't have substantial content. Like, wow, this. I'm like, what? Did, why? What did you have the need? Like, I'm trying to help people. Like, people are getting scammed. But then again, if it's affecting their business. Right. That's right. where it comes into play. And, and here's one last thing. I was told in a Twitter space 
that one of the reasons why I was getting trolled so hard for the for the CVEs that I got and saying, oh, it's not real, it's fake, and we're going to try to get it taken down is because there were some people that were actually making money off of this exploit. Oh. And so, and so, yeah, and, and it sense. was, yeah. And it was funny because, because they were, uh, and, and talking about diversity, these are female, uh, females that, that create malware. That's their, yes. that's what they do for a living. Like they, wow. they're badasses making malware and, and using these exploits, um, yeah, to get paid. And so it, so it trickled down and said, yeah, you know, these women are, are pissed off at you because you've taken part of their revenue stream by that by this patch and i was like well first off that's a badass you know yeah. that's pretty that's, cool. that is you know, pretty pimp yeah. that's pretty cool that's pretty cool i mean I, honestly it's like like you know uh you know marcus uh, hutchins and, and i kind of mm. get into it but i think he's pre- pretty fucking awesome like yeah. uh, you know honestly i think he's really fucking awesome uh you know we, we we have our back and forth but we're you know i think he's really cool what he does um just malware development in itself is pretty amazing you mm. know um, whatever you do with your life, it's, that's your life. I don't, you know, not for me to judge, but the yeah. point is, is that that's, that's one of the things that was upsetting them was that they lost a revenue stream. So destroying their business model <laughs> a little bit, a little bit, have to kind of rethink things. <laughs> yeah. That's kind of why I'm sitting on that, that one exploit that I've been working on for so long. You know, I've, I've got the NDA going and, and I can't really talk about it, but it's one of those things where I sat on it for a while and I thought I could just release this and watch the world go to smoke. But, you know, definitely with what you (laughs) you were talking about, (laughs) you're talking about building a weapon and it just rang in my head. I was like, wait a minute. I I had this conversation before. And the, the, I think another thing that, that attracts me to it too, is the amount of power that you sit on with those types of exploits and vulnerabilities. Um, I, I haven't let it eat me up, but trust me, knowing that, that I have that leverage, is definitely is something I wake up in the morning and I feel good about myself because I do have that leverage in my pocket. Uh, yeah. But but again, you know, it could toast the world if I released it. So I just, you know, I'm doing the right thing and trying to, you know, keep it quiet until I have the talk with the, the guys in suits. Um, yep. Guys, it has been a fantastic fucking podcast. I really enjoyed it. Uh, it's, it was more of a, of a panel discussion, I think. And I think that, you know, I want to do more of these in the future because, you know, I want to have leaders and people who push the envelope on the podcast and not just, you know, personalities. I, I want to have real movers and shakers. And I think you guys represent exactly what that is. Um, any last Thank thoughts you. before we go, Jonathan, start with you. Any last thoughts? Oh man, you know, it's, uh, it's always a pleasure to be on your podcast. So I, I love it. You know, it's Amen. Um, super cool. Looking forward to the next one. I appreciate Jonathan. Hector, anything, last thoughts? Well, now, like, uh, just for everybody out there trying to get into the field, um, nothing is going to come to you for free. Nothing for free, meaning that you don't have to pay for free, meaning that you have to do the work. And uh, uh, Jonathan, it's a pleasure to meet you. Uh, hopefully, I'm going to stay in touch with you. And uh, if you ever need anything or if anybody out there listening need anything, just like uh, holla, you know. Cool. I appreciate Absolutely. everything. Absolutely. Yeah. So I just want people to be nice to each other. Um, the documentary I did today, the, the taping was really uh, kind of impactful. Um, it was about kids and, and how we need to look out for the next generations. And I think what we're doing on this podcast and what we're doing as individuals is, is doing just that. Um, so keep doing what you're doing. Guys, I really appreciate it. And with that, I'll go ahead and end this one and I'll see you guys next time. Thanks, guys.